it might be time to get rid of the tax deduction on 401ks. Well, that's controversial. I don't think it is. I got a research paper here that says it doesn't have to be. It'll totally work, right? Maybe, according to some people who did some math. Over 56% of Americans don't feel like they're on track to retire comfortably. And it's no surprise. Retiring with confidence is not as simple as it used to be. That's why each week we talk about the many challenges in modern retirement and share some of the best strategies for overcoming each and every one. So that you can make sure you're putting your hard-earned savings towards the retirement of your dreams. I'm Brandon. And I'm Brantley. Welcome to Retire With Confidence. For more, be sure to visit retirewithconfidencenow.com. It's a good way to shoot a sacred cow square in the head, that's for sure, because there is nothing more coveted amongst many, 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 many people, including many people that we've worked with and talked to over the years, than the tax deduction that's received by traditional 401k contributions. It's also a really good way to get attention. Just say, hey, let's stop. Let's stop giving the deduction on 401ks. But yeah, it, it has been heralded for a long, long time as a sort of trick. In yeah. personal finance. And since we're getting very close to April, it's it's one of those things that uh, every tax prep company in the world is going to talk about, more so for IRAs than, than 401ks, but sure. it's, it's definitely out there. So I believe the name of the paper that was published is The Case for Using Subsidies for Retirement Plans to Fix Social Security. Captivating. <laughs> Absolutely captivating. Yeah. But the whole idea is um, if we were to get rid of the tax deduction on 401k contributions, mm -hmm. that would theoretically raise a lot of money. Uh, what, are we, what are we looking at? Like $185 billion mm. is the supposed boom mm -hmm. in, in tax revenues, mm -hmm. which would go a long, long, long way towards correcting social security insolvency issues that are fast approaching. Well, there's some logistical hurdles there that you and I discussed that may work back of the napkin math, back of the envelope. I'm not sure what the back of a napkin, I think the back of a napkin looks exactly like the front of a napkin. Um, <laughs> well, that it does, but it doesn't have the smudges from where you had to wipe your face <laughs> that's on. True. That's true. Um, the back of the envelope math uh, may work. You know, one of the things that leaves me scratching my head immediately, we'll get to the bigger issue that I'm, I'm sort of nitpicking here. Taxes that support Social Security are not the same taxes that are deducted by from money that go to 401k contributions. This is correct. There would literally have to be a new law that redirects somehow some weird way in the tax code to take money that would have otherwise been. You see where I'm going? Like this, I do. this is insane. Yeah, it, yeah. Doesn't, so, it doesn't. Let's, let's, sense, let's, but. let's let's take just a short period of time to elaborate on what you mean by that. So yeah. when it comes to funding various government programs, there are different tax systems in place to do that. So Social Security, as an example, is funded through what we commonly refer to as payroll taxes. So when you when you get paid, there is a tax that is paid yep. by an employer to an employee, or uh, also works in self-employment situations, but there are additional taxes paid that are not federal income taxes right? that are collected by the U.S. Treasury yep. specifically for the purpose of funding Social Security. These are taxes that everyone pays. Anyone who has earned income Correct. pays 
Social Security and or Medicare taxes. It's not the same as income taxes. A lot of people talk about, you know, well, a lot of people don't even pay any taxes. Everybody pays payroll taxes yes. if they work. If you are employed as a W-2 employee, it yeah. is it, it, virtually impossible to yeah. do anything with your taxes that would avoid payroll taxes. Right. Exactly. If you are self-employed, there are some things that you can do to reduce income that you recognize and therefore not subject it to payroll taxes. Sure. But if you are employed, W-2 employee, you're not going to avoid payroll taxes, even if you pay zero federal income taxes. Right. So the, the other one that we would commonly talk about in this context is federal income tax, which goes, which is also collected by the treasury. It's part of filing your, your taxes. And for the most part, when people who are regularly employed as W-2 employee, they don't really think much about their payroll taxes and right. filing that with their with their their federal income tax return. But it is effectively done at that time. But since the the responsibility of facilitating that is on your employer, that rarely ever gets messed up. If you're self-employed, that's a different story. But yep. if you are employed as a W-2 employee, not much that you have to think about sure. regarding that. So Social Security is funded through payroll taxes. We not are talking about yeah. we are talking about eliminating a deduction for federal income tax. Yeah, that or that's so, what's being proposed by the research. Yeah. That revenue would go to federal income tax, which is not right. payroll tax, which right. means that revenue is not by design created or collected for the purpose of funding Social Security. So Correct. To, the point that you brought up is the fact that if your proposal is, let's get rid of the deduction for 401ks and let's take that $185 billion speculative number and use it to help create better solvency for Social Security, your point is, time out, that doesn't work under the current tax federal tax system because those revenues are not ones that flow to Social Security. You right. would need federal tax law change somehow, some way, to allow that money to flow to Social Security. And how exactly you would differentiate and do that is quite tricky yeah. if you start thinking about the complexity of, of what, what, how do you take somebody regardless of their circumstances today and, and with their income and say, well, okay, you are no longer allowed to deduct anything that is contributed to your 401k. So theoretically, your federal income tax is going to go up. But right. how do we now then go back and say, well, now this is the amount of tax that that you paid additionally that will go to Social Security. That, that's, that's much, much harder to do if you yep. start thinking through the federal tax code system than it sounds on its face. And I realize, look, that's a, that's a, that's a detail we're going to get into the meat of this. So mm -hmm. um, hopefully you stuck around for the first seven minutes of us nitpicking one little hey, detail. I think, I think if you didn't come for, for the minutia of finance, <laughs> I don't know why you're here. Why, why would you be listening to us or watching us? I actually think I'm going to say something even more controversial. I would be totally okay with them getting rid of the, the deductibility of 401k contributions altogether. And just okay. make make them all after tax with a Roth, a Roth, make everything a Roth 401k. You can only contribute after tax. There's a limit, you know, could be the same limit that it is now. The limits change every year. I don't even remember what the limit is this year to you. 23,000, I think. It's in the 20s, yeah. Contribution. Yeah. Another, an additional 7,500, I think, if you're over 50 mm -hmm. um, for the catch up. Mm-hmm. That could be the limit. That'd be fine. But everyone pays their taxes now and you get all that money later. I actually think it would be interesting. Tax-free, what you're saying. Tax you get all free, that money right. tax-free I, I actually think that would be interesting because I would like to see the, the actual reaction, sort of call the bluff on that one. 
Okay. Because, what do you mean? Well, because there's got to be some calculation that goes on. I've said this before in, in some some stuff that we've written. Uh, what you've really done when you when you contribute pre-tax money to a 401k or to a deductible IRA, to a 403b, to a 457, doesn't really matter. They all, all work, they all work the, same, the same way as far as taxes go. What you've done is if you've you've partnered with the federal government. Okay. And they get to change the rules whenever. It, it's it's an unequal partnership. <laughs> but they have basically given you the opportunity. Well, let me rephrase. They've given themselves an opportunity for a deferred income annuity because they're going to receive ordinary income taxes on every dollar you put out after retirement on a much larger balance than what you would have paid on those contributions in current income taxes right now. So, including the collection that will take place when you die. Right. Exactly. Um, which they've also changed the rules on now. I don't know. Politicians probably haven't done that calculation because that's they they won't be in office when that happens for most people anyway. So they want to raise more money now. But I, I think most people would benefit from having a larger balance in a Roth in a in a pay the taxes now in exchange for no taxes later situation. So I actually don't think that would be bad. That's what I'm saying. Um, right. I'm well, taking the, a different, the, the, I have a different opinion than these people have that wrote this paper, but. Well, the data from the, uh, the, the report itself would, would pull favor to that idea. Right. I think in the, the sense of creating a retirement benefit that is most advantageous to people at kind of moderate to lower income strata. Stats from the report show us that the 401k overwhelmingly, especially from a deductibility standpoint, benefits higher income, wealthier Americans. Right. Um, I believe the stat was households in the top 10% of income attainment have account balance averages of like $559,000. Right. And then if we look at the kind of midsection, mm -hmm. the 40th to 60th percentile, the average account balance there, $39,000. I almost feel like this is first place prize is a Cadillac Eldorado. Second place is a set of steak knives. <laughs> That's right. No coffee for you, sir. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's absolutely true. I mean, and that was the thesis of this entire, of this entire piece, right? Is that the deductibility of 401k benefits wealthier people more mm -hmm. than it does the people who actually need more money in retirement. I think that's obvious. I mean, it, it was obvious to me. It's been obvious. You and I have been doing this for a long time. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that stat is really a a a wonder, uh, right. a wonder, wonder of some some crazy phenomenon here. It, it's just a math problem, right? If you have more money, you got more disposable income. Theoretically, you got more ability to save, right? And once you've saved a little bit more, the growth of your wealth, if it's compounding, is going to be more than people who have saved Correct. less than you have. Correct. I I agree with you. It is a math problem, and I think it has very little to do with the tax deductible. I think they're trying to connect two things that aren't necessarily connected. Because, and I, this is my proof, most people have no idea how much they save by contributing to a four hundred one k in taxes. All right. They have no idea what the net impact to their to their tax. I mean, sure, some people do. They've actually gone through the machinations of figuring that out. Um, but a lot of people I've encountered over the years, if they if they contributed twenty thousand dollars to a four hundred one k, for example, 
in their head seriously thought that they were saving $20,000 in taxes. That's not how tax deductibility works. Um, right. So it, it you might be saving, depending on what your tax bracket is, you might be saving three or $4,000 in taxes, but you're not saving $20,000. So the speculation here is that the, let's say this this $559,000 average account balance among the top 10%, this is much more a function of dumb luck. It's, it's a function of the fact that they and, just have more money. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it has anything to do with, but very it's, it's little not, to do with tax deductibility, I should it's say. It's not a, a highly calculated effort. Right. Like these people are not sitting around saying, hmm, we're going to, we're going to put $20,000 in the 401k and get this deduction that's going to save us as much money. That's going to make our life so much better. And then it, it's like, rare. It's, it's not that well thought out. It's, it's more it's of a really rare. It's more of a default contribution yep. because they're doing it because they're doing it. They right. were told to do it. It seems good. They've got money. They've got well, more money than they thought they would have otherwise. And right. so they just keep doing it. I mean, think about the logic here. I'm, I'm again, I'm just pulling numbers out of the air, but if you make a $20,000 deductible contribution to your 401k, Mm-hmm. And you save what? What? I'll let you name the number. How much do you? What would you posit in a in any scenario that someone might save in taxes for a twenty thousand dollar deduction? Yeah, I would say probably somewhere in the neighborhood of five thousand. Okay, you save five thousand dollars. Now you made that twenty thousand dollars completely taxable mm-hmm. in the future. Yeah, and even at a reasonable compounding rate of return, let's let's say you doubled it over time. So that 20,000 became 40,000. Okay. Now you've got $40,000 that's subject to income taxes instead of 20. So my point being, it's very hard to make the case that you're actually better off in the long run by by taking the deduction. Nonetheless, I don't think anyone's doing that. Right. There are very few people who do that mental gymnastics. And we we worked with some very sophisticated people over the years who, who do lots of things. I'm not aware of people who have um, dialed it down or fine-tuned their their financial, personal financial models to the extent that they know every single dollar of tax they're saving by doing and something. Per- perhaps some of the evidence that they have not done that thinking, we can take from the fact that they're not advocating for the fact that, using your example right here. Yeah. So $20,000 deductible saves maybe $5,000 in taxes. Right. So alternatively, you could just save $15,000. Right. If you're going to double it in the taxable account, there's no reason you can't double it in the non-taxable account. Sure. So now it's $30,000. $30,000, zero tax liability versus $40,000, 100% tax liability. Right. We just came up with this example on the fly, so we don't have the exact numbers in front of you. But I think I think we can safely say that you'll probably be able to extract more money for your personal purpose from thirty thousand dollars non-taxable than forty thousand right. dollars completely taxable. Absolutely, and we're using very small numbers. Yeah, I mean these are ridiculously small numbers for most people. What do we make <laughs> of the idea that this would save Social Security? Hogwash and poppycock. Um, <laughs> And Boulder Dash and all those other things. All those other things. Yeah, I think it's nonsense. I mean, uh, first of all, I I realize that's, what did you say, 185 billion? Is that what it was? Or 165 billion? That was the 185. 185 billion. Headline number 2020 numbers when income was eh, for a lot of people. Uh, 185 billion dollars is, I mean, Congress throws around 185 billion dollar bills like it's, I mean, they do it several times a week. Okay. I mean, we spend mo- we spend more money on nonsense than 
anything else. And and as far as I I am aware, uh, Social Security, the the tr- Social Security trust fund. Always love that term. Um, as if there's a box of money sitting there to wait and to pay benefits to Social Security, which has never been true, um, has been raided by Congress repeatedly to fund other things. So what would make anyone have faith that this additional $185 billion would actually be directed in the way that it's required to by law? In the same way that we never directed the payroll taxes right. for Social Security. Right. Yeah. It's a box full of IOUs. And and the only thing, I mean, in case anyone doesn't know this, I'm sure most of the people watching this do, Social Security is funded by those of us who are still working. Yes, correct. There's not a big correct. savings account with a bunch of money in it. There was supposed to be, but there isn't. Right. Maybe, well, there was kind of supposed to be theoretically in some people's minds, right. Al Gore's especially. Right. But um, we are headed towards an insolvency issue regarding Social Security. But right. That all on its own raises some problems about about how we fix the issue of retirement preparedness. Right. Which we believe is the real issue. That's the real discussion that needs to happen. When we come to sort of moderate income Americans, we know Social Security will, will either it's their plan or it will have to by default comprise a huge percentage of their retirement income. Right. It already does. Um, I mean. But right now, the average Social Security check is 1800 bucks a month. Right. And the average spend among Americans 65 or older is about $4,300 a month. Mm. So under the current situation with Social Security, which is running out of money, um, it's not enough, right? understandably, to provide for the expenditures of a typical retiree. Right. So something else has to happen. Mm-hmm. Something else has to come into play to get them prepared. Or, well, I say or. There's there's an alternative. There is one other way to do this outside of save, 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 which is retirement isn't the construct that the investment industry has created for people. There you go. That's 100% my belief. Not everybody has to get to a random age and decide, well, I'm just done working for the rest of my life. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you have to keep doing the job you don't like for the rest of your life. Right. It's waned quite a bit in popularity, but one one of the kind of under accentuated messages of the fire movement because a lot of people got into the mindset that this is all about saving money and just retiring retiring in this this edward jones style retirement thing (laughs) at 45 (laughs) so you're going to live a long long time uh, playing parcheesi and watching (laughs) the view i prefer shuffleboard but okay (laughs) um the view and instead, I'd rather jab myself in the eye with a rusty ice pick, I think. But anyway, continue. In, instead, it could be, well, I'm a, I, I'm a project manager. There's, there's a, if there's never been a term that, that tends to pay a lot, but doesn't really mean anything, that, that's the one. And there's a lot of stress involved because there's, there's a lot of herding cats that goes on in that, that world. Get it? Totally. Yeah. Understandable. But perhaps instead of that... I happen to really love auto mechanics. Right. I won't make anywhere near as much twisting wrenches on cars as I will being a project manager. But if I have enough money saved or I have the right assets accumulated to create the income that is necessary, then it doesn't much matter. And I could just go to work doing that. 
and all the mechanics who are not <laughs> listening to this podcast saying, you know how hard that is on on, on your knuckles <laughs> right, when you're right. 70? That's true. Yeah, I don't know any retired mechanics that still wrench on cars. <laughs> they sold all their tools the day they left and haven't picked one up since. They but got yeah. 30 cents on the dollar of snap-on. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think the the solution, which a lot of people are not going to want to hear, is we got to recalibrate how we think about retirement, about what retirement actually is. Look, I think you and I, we, we've talked about this depending on the day, right? Um, not so much in the last few weeks because of things that have happened. Um, insurance companies being being themselves um, and being difficult to work with, that sort of thing. It's been It's been a challenge, but most of the time, I think both of us have felt very fortunate to do the work that we do in terms of when people ask us, when are you going to retire? And they're usually asking it in the context of, are you going to be around to help me out years from yeah. now? That's that's the question behind the question for them. And we, we always answer them the same way. Like, what's there to retire from? Right. Like, I'm not really sure how retirement would differ from what I'm currently doing. Right. This is a, a function that I can sort of work as much or as little as I want to. Mm-hmm. And you know, we can continue to do that for as long as my brain will allow me to, my brain and my body will allow me to. Um, right. But there's no great plan that says, once I get to be 67 and that social security starts rolling in, <laughs> I'm going to stop. Like I, I'm not counting down the days personally. Right. And to me, if you can find, I'm not saying everyone can, can has the luxury of their vocation providing that sort of fulfillment or right. flexibility or freedom. Um, I would say flexibility and freedom are number two. Fulfillment, oftentimes yeah. a distant third. The fulfillment comes from freedom and flexibility sometimes. Sometimes that's the only thing it comes from. I think if we can recalibrate ourselves to view retirement more from that plane instead of, I'm going to work this job I hate until I can tar- start taking my social security and then I'm going to sit at home and watch TV all day, it would sort of be a self-correcting problem, I guess is what I'm getting at. Where you don't yeah, have so much well, reliance on social security because right. you're still doing something. Yes. I, I think there could be a mix there between love-hate jobs. Sure. And and what the reality is. But I also think that there's 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 been a resistance to this ideology among the investment or within rather the investment industry. Yeah. Because it feels very threatened by that to say, well, right. whoa, 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 whoa. If we don't scare you into needing millions of dollars by the time you're 62 in order to yeah. retire, then how are we going to make any money? And our, you know, our, fees, perhaps, our fees are going to drop. And then perhaps gonna... there is a problem with their their current construct that could could lead to an issue there. That That's that's possible. Yep. But I don't think it has to be that way. Right. I think that you can talk to people in the context of, look, it doesn't have to be 67, 66, whatever it is comes along and you're just done. And believe you me, we talk to a lot of people, you and I, mm-hmm. who have told us at 30, at 40, I want to retire when I'm 55. I think their desire to do that changes quite considerably as they get closer to that age. Right. And what they really mean is I don't want to do exactly what I'm doing today beyond a certain age. Yeah. Which is fine. Completely understandable. It is something that that the industry should embrace. Right. To say, look, um, retirement doesn't necessarily need to mean you're just done. Right. And and you're going to stop working productively. Yeah. Forever and always. Correct. And we don't think, I, this is my last word anyway, 
I do not believe that raising the going back to the original thesis of this entire article slash uh, research paper, raising taxes on the people who pay the largest percentage of taxes already is the answer. It's effectively just a, a redistribution system. And mm-hmm. you can look across the world and even in our own history, it doesn't work. It never works. The intention can be good, and but it just doesn't work because when you have more people consuming than you do producing, eventually there's nothing left to consume because you don't have enough production. So that's just basic. That's not political. I'm not not making a political statement. Just that's how the world works. Well said. That's good enough for today. Thanks for stopping by. We'll see you next week.